you have your Bibles, if you'll open up to the book of Acts chapter 2, we're going to be in Acts chapter 2 today. Big Bang, that's been the series that we're in. Today's the last day of the Big Bang. I always thought to myself, I never expected to hear a series on the Big Bang here at church, but here it is. And we've been talking about maybe not the science Big Bang, like maybe we come to in our minds, but actually the Big Bang we find in Scripture at Pentecost, that powerful epic moment in the history of mankind when 3,000 people were baptized and added to the body of Christ in one day. Do you remember the story in Acts chapter 2? Do you remember the story? 3,000 people responded to the gospel of Jesus Christ. They heard the message. Here they learned that they were responsible for having killed the creator of the universe, Jesus Christ. God came to earth in the flesh. And as they hear that message, they're terrified. And they respond to Peter and they say, what do we do? And Peter says, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He goes on to say that this is a promise for you and for your children and for all who are far off. That's us. That's us. Just like us. 3,000 people were baptized that day. It was an epic event in the history of the world. We can't imagine how epic that event was. This life-changing moment in history. If there was any story in the history of our lifetime that could come close to how epic it was, the only thing I can think of, the only event in, in our lifetime or in the lifetime like the last 100 years that I could think of that comes to maybe as close to as big an event as this event was maybe the moon landing. I think about the moon landing, this, this major event in history. It all began in 1961 when John F. Kennedy decided to expand the space program, and he had a goal. In 10 years, we, by the end of this decade, we are going to land on the moon. And in July 20th, 1969, eight years later, Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin were the first humans to step foot on the moon. Remember what they said? It's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. The words of Neil Armstrong. 45 minutes later on live television, the flag was placed on the moon and the space race to the moon had ended. But here's the crazy thing. Here's the crazy thing at that moment in history. That was not the end, but it was the beginning. It was only the beginning when the flag was placed on the moon. You see, the race for space hadn't ended. It was just starting. It was clear at that moment the United States had no intent in ever going home. It was just the start. Just the start. It was the beginning of inspiration. As generations begin to dream about what might happen one day, what would the world be like in the future? What would the universe be like in the future? Landing on the moon was the beginning of new ideas presented in new forms of art. 
as painters and actors and writers and musicians began to imagine the final frontier, a universe beyond their comprehension. It was the beginning of new technologies. Think about things like Velcro and and microwave ovens. But more than that, new uses for technology is the world considered advancements that would be needed for this new future. It was the beginning of new excitement for a new world with new possibilities. It all began, all of these new moments began when someone came and planted a flag in the moon. Now I gotta tell you, normally when I think of planting a flag somewhere, I think of the end of something. It kind of reminds me of landing, maybe arriving at Mount Everest. You ever think about like these people climb Mount Everest and they plant a flag and as soon as they plant the flag, then they say, you know what? The journey's over, I'm going home. And they walk down the mountain and and that's the end. They They reach the summit, they reach the pinnacle and they say, this is the end of it. But that's not the way the moon landing was. You see, when they planted the, moon, the flag on the moon, they were saying, this is not the end. This is just the beginning. It's just the beginning. Three thousand people arrived that day to be baptized. And in a very w- real way, they were planting a flag. They were planting a flag in their lives. They were planting a flag in their hearts. They were saying, we have arrived, entering a strange new world. But here's what I learned. Even though those 3,000 people had arrived that day to be baptized, they had not arrived yet. That arrival came with a powerful realization, a powerful realization that there was still a journey ahead to be taken. We have not arrived yet. That's what I read in Scripture. When I go to Philippians chapter 3, that's what I see. Hey, I have not taken hold of it yet. I continue on this journey. That's what I read about in James chapter 1. It talks about the fact that I am still going, still growing, still being transformed. See, baptism wasn't the end of the journey. It was the beginning of the journey. Have you ever asked the question, why at my conversion didn't God just beam me up and beam me out of this place? Maybe one of these Star Trek moments where I go down in the water, I come out of the water, and I just get beamed up to heaven. You ever ever had that question? I remember asking that question when I was younger. Why does God just, doesn't, why doesn't he just beam us up out of the baptistry? At that point, all we can do is really just mess things up, right? The baptistry is the most holy place I'll ever be. So why doesn't he just beam me up out of there? Well, I had a misunderstanding of what conversion was all about. You see, it wasn't the end of the journey. It wasn't me hitting the summit and me planting my flag and saying, okay, it's time to go home. No, this is me planting my flag and saying, all right, what new worlds and what new frontiers and what new opportunities still exist for me? 
Baptism is not the end of the journey. It's the beginning of the journey. Here's the thing I'm trying to say. If we believe that the faith journey ends at conversion, we've missed the fullness of God's teaching. If we believe that the faith journey ends at conversion, we have missed the fullness of God's teaching. That's what we see at Pentecost. When we look at the Big Bang story, we see the beginning. The beginning, not the end, but the beginning. After all, isn't it true that the story of Pentecost took place in Acts chapter 2, in a book that had 28 chapters? After 3,000 people were baptized, the Acts of the church had just begun. It had just begun. There's a reason why the conversion story, the baptism story, is in Acts chapter 2 instead of Acts 28. To tell us something about our conversion. To tell us that your conversion, your baptism, your walk with God begins up there, but it doesn't end there. It continues going. It continues going. And we've seen this in our series. We've seen this. As we look at the shock waves that went out from Pentecost, do you remember Saul's conversion? Here Saul Tarsus is. He's this, this man who in his fervor and his zeal is persecuting the church. But at his baptism, we don't see the end of the story, but merely the beginning. Saul becomes Paul. And Paul goes out into all the world and he begins the process of sharing and writing and being changed and transformed from within. We see the story of the Ethiopian eunuch. He's riding in the chariot and he's reading from the book of Isaiah and he's got a lot of questions. But then he gets in the waters of baptism. Philip leads him there. And when he comes out, that's not the end of the story, but merely the beginning. We don't even know. History tells us that maybe he took the gospel to Africa. And that was how the people of Ethiopia, which, by the way, one of the most Christian nations in the world, had the gospel because of that man. Or the story about Cornelius, a devout and faithful God-centered man who was converted, he and his household. But that was the beginning of the story of how then the Gentiles would come to know Christ through one man's story. Baptism is not the end. Baptism is the beginning. But we saw other shockwaves as well in this series. We saw that shockwaves didn't just go out. Shockwaves came in. They began to resonate and transform our hearts. We talked about that as we talked about how that it was not only the beginning of the gospel being spread, but it was the beginning of the gospel transforming lives as people embraced the message of the resurrection. But here's the thing, this was just the beginning. It was just the beginning. The shockwaves had only begun to expand across the spiritual, emotional, territorial boundaries and frontiers that would exist. Shockwaves would spread across time and space that would reach us today. Because the conversion, the baptism at Pentecost was just the beginning, and your conversion and baptism is just the beginning. It's just the beginning. 
It's the beginning of life transformation. That's what we read about in Colossians chapter 3. If you want to listen with me or read with me in Colossians chapter 3, I chose passages that begin with this idea of at your baptism. Here's what it says. At your baptism, you are raised with Christ. Seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above and not on things that are of this earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, that which is earthly in you. He says, now that you've been baptized, now that you've been raised up, listen to this. Begin the process of inner transformation. Begin the process. Begin to seek God. Begin to set your mind on things above. Begin to put to death the things of this earth. I should be more transformed years after baptism than I ever was the day I went into the waters. Why? Because God's still working on me. God's still changing me. It's the beginning of life transformation. Do you realize, do we realize that our baptism was day one of life transformation. At that point, we were just babies. Just babies. The version of you on the first day of your spiritual life should be the least transformed version of you. Every day as we grow, we are being conformed to him and transformed into his likeness so that although outwardly we're wasting away, what does it say? Inwardly, we're being renewed day by day. So here's the point of that. It says this, that the older I am, the more spiritual I should look. The older I am, the more spiritual I should look. I got to ask the question, is that true? I see it a lot here at Sunset. I see it a lot. I'll, I'll, I'll reach out to members who are older than me, and I see deep spiritual roots. But i got to confess, not always. Not always. So here's the question. Is it possible that some of us, the most spiritual moment of our lives was up there, and we just died up there? We didn't start living. I don't want to be the kind of person that's known for the most inspirational moment of my life being my baptism. I don't want to be the kind of person who's known for the most servant moment of my life, the moment of my life where I served the church the most was up there at my death. That's just the starting place. And I come down here and I begin the process of living for him. But it's not just the beginning of life transformation. It's the beginning of soul liberation. Look in Romans chapter 6 with me. Romans chapter 6. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might be walk in newness of life. For if we've been united with him in death like this, we will cer certainly be united with him in his resurrection like his. 
We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. It's the beginning of soul liberation. I want you to know this. My days of living as a servant to sin have ended, and now I begin to walk a new life. Now I begin the process of walking a new life. I want you to think about this for just a moment with me. Did you know that Jesus' temptation in the book of Luke comes in Luke chapter 4? Jesus' baptism was in Luke chapter 3. So in other words, Jesus was exposed to level of temptation after his baptism that he never experienced pre-baptism. Think about that. Some of us in this journey of Christ, we say, you know, here I am and I get baptized and that should be it. Now I'm like, everything should be easy from that point on. And God says, no, that's the beginning of the fight. The fight for your soul to be liberated. I remember hearing a story one time about a lady who told, she, she was, it, was a, it was a big secular event. It was a big secular event in Oklahoma. They had a lot of famous people come in and, and speak. And this woman got up and she said, you know, the moment I called Jesus in my heart to be saved, the second I called Jesus in my heart to be saved, I never smoked another cigarette. I never drank another alcoholic drink. My life was changed forever. Guys, I got to tell you this. When I went down to the baptistry, that was not what it was like for me. I went down to the baptistry, I came out, and for me, and my conversion, life got more complex. Life got more difficult. And so I had to continually fight and fight against Satan and against sin. And it was the beginning of a new battle. And it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy, but I continually, just as the passage says, continually fight to make him the Lord of my life, to make him the master of my life. Did you get out of these waters and just think, well, that's it, everything's going to be easy from now on, and you just got out? And Guys, this is not the end, this is the beginning. It's the beginning, but it's also the beginning of you conforming yourself to the likeness of God, the beginning of soul liberation. But finally, it's not just the beginning of life transformation and soul liberation. It's the beginning of our body, the body of Christ, and having responsibility therein. Body responsibility. Read with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. In one spirit, we are all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. So here, the writer of Corinthians says, look, Christianity, your conversion, your baptism is the beginning of life, responsibility, body responsibility. I have a job now. I have a job. I'm part of the body of Christ. 
And if I, as part of the body of Christ, say, hey, I'm not going to do my job. I'm not going to, you know, this body needs an eye, but I'm going to cease to be an eye. I'm just going to go, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to die in those waters. I'm never going to resurrect. I'm just going to cease to be what I need to be for this body. Then the body hurts. You understand, we have responsibility to one another. And if I go up into those waters and I just die there, and I'm never resurrected to become part of this body, to have responsibility to this body, then the body suffers. There's a reason why we suffer sometimes, and it's because we're not doing our jobs. So we get out of the waters of baptistry and we say, what's my job? I have a purpose now. What's my job? Who am I in this body? Am I an encourager for the body of Christ? Am I a servant? Am I a teacher? Am I an emotional healer? Do I nurture the people of this body? Am I a prayer advocate? When you're hurting, I pray for you. Am I a giver? Man, I tell you, I, I bless people with the things that I have. Who are you in this body? I hope you're asking that question. Because you have a role in this body. You have a responsibility. We need you. I guess here's what I've been trying to say or ask the question. Have I seen my conversion to Christ as the beginning or as the end? You know, the last time I ever inspired anybody was when I was up there. The last time I ever spoke truth to anybody was when I was up there. The last time I ever was holy, was ever righteous, was ever transformative, was when I was up there. That can't be, church. That must not be. We have been raised up to newness of life. Life, not death. New transformation, new liberation, new responsibility. I should have moved from a discourager to an encourager. And if I have, and I need to work on that. I need to grow in that. Moving from here to be served to one who is a servant. Moving from the things of this earth to the things above. Moving from speaking death to speaking life. Moving from destroying the body to building up the body. Moving from fighting my, for myself to fighting for purity. These are just some of the things that a Christian in their journey should be thinking through. How do I grow? How do I live a new life? You know, when they planted that flag on the moon, there was a realization. We have not arrived. This is just the beginning. We are just beginning. Church, our journey at that baptistry had just barely begun. It had just barely begun. Maybe we need to take an account of ourselves and ask this question, what is my legacy at sunset? What is my legacy at this church? To ask someone near us, close to us, that we can trust, and ask them, when you think of me, 
what legacy am I leaving here? Am I living here? Am I known as an encourager for the body of Christ? Am I known as a servant to the body of Christ? Am I known as a, as a giver to the body of Christ? Or is my reputation here one that destroys and hurts and devalues? Who am I in this journey? Am I allowing God to open up new frontiers? To speak of new possibilities and new realities? Is God looking at my life and whenever I think about him, I'm thinking about all the places we could go in through the stratosphere for Jesus. Can you imagine what we could do for Jesus? Can you imagine what 1,300 people could do for Jesus? The places we could go, the voyages we could take, the destinations. Can I imagine God reaching his full potential in me, around me, and through me? This is what the Big Bang is all about. An epic event in history sending out shockwaves. That's your conversion. Shockwaves resonating across eternity, through the cosmos, time, space, and into the great beyond. Wouldn't you like to be able to say that we were there? We were there. We were there in the moment. We came out of the waters whenever the Big Bang happened. We were there when people started to respond. We were there when new frontiers were open. We were there because we didn't, we didn't just die in the baptistry. We didn't just close it up and shut it down and say, okay, story's over. No, we saw the new frontier. We planted a flag and we didn't go home afterwards. We kept moving outward. That's the dream. That's my dream for Christianity. That's my dream for sunset. That's my dream for the well. That's my dream for me. And I want it to be the dream for all of us. That we begin to see our, our purpose in this story as a bigger purpose. A big bang that explodes across the stratosphere. Let's pray together. Father God, we come before you and we ask God, we ask Lord that you would bless us to see the big bang in our lives, to see the opportunity of our lives, to go out and to be transformed, to be renewed, to be liberated. Father, to take on the responsibility that you've given us. We love you, God, and we want to live and lean into this tidal wave, these shock waves of what you could do in the world. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. If there's anything you need from this body, we are here to serve you today. Won't you come now as we stand and as we sing together?